G'day mate, it's Matty Graham here from the Exponential Performance Podcast. Welcome to episode 23. Now in this episode, I sit down with elite rower Jack O'Leary and we talk all things from mental preparation, maintaining motivation, training, nutrition and life as a high level athlete. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. Today is episode 23. Now I got a lot of feedback from last week's episode, episode 22, about you owe yourself an explanation. I played a few motivational uh, sound bites that I like from a few videos and it seemed to struck a, a nerve with a lot of people so awesome to ha- hear that feedback that a lot of people found it useful and what I thought I'd do today is just ask what do you use to maintain your motivation do you have a favorite video a favorite song uh, a favorite book a favorite quote whatever it is post a link below I want to know what is your favorite key go-to motivational thing. So post that below, let me know what it is. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into today's episode is how you can get personalized advice from me without the, the price tag that goes along with my personalized coaching and consulting. I've had a lot of people inquire about my training programs. I do write personalized training programs for people, um, and I'll post a link where you can find that over on my website. But if you want some personalized advice from me, but you don't want the, the cost or the price tag that's associated with my personalized coaching and consulting, then seriously consider heading over to my reach me account so you can head over to www.reach.me as an r-e-a-c-h dot m-e slash matty graham that's going to take you over to my profile and you can get a personalized text response from me for as low as three so what the idea is is that You might not want to work with me specifically, but you may have some specific advice or uh, a specific topic that you want more to learn more about for for you specifically. If you head over there, you can send me your questions, and I'm going to answer it um, in in either text or a short video or a slightly longer video, Uh, and you can get it for as cheap as three ninety nine. As always, I welcome your questions on the podcast, and if you submit a voice message, I will answer your question for free in the public forum on the podcast. But if you're looking for a little bit more personalized, specific, and even private advice, head over and check out uh, my Reach Me account because it's a good way of getting what you're after for a slightly lower price tag. 
And it means that I'm able to put a little bit more thought and emphasis into each of my responses because I'm not just replying to free emails uh, on a daily basis, you know, trying to chug through my inbox. So there you have it. Go and check that out. Now, in today's episode, I sit down with elite rower Jack O'Leary. Now, I first met Jack when he was a junior doing some uh, metabolic testing, some anaerobic threshold testing, and he has just gone from strength to strength. He has always been an athlete that has always impressed me in his work ethic and his mental approach to his sport and his ability just to apply himself and work bloody hard when the going gets tough. He's fresh off a win at the under-23 World Champs where he was part of the crew who won the first ever rowing New Zealand men's quad gold medal. So it's pretty awesome to be able to have this opportunity to talk with Jack. And in it, we talk about his mental approach to training, how he deals with nerves, his training, his nutrition, and everything that goes along with being a high-performance athlete at the top of their game and wanting to get better. So here we go. We jump into an interview with with elite rower Jack O'Leary. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Matty. Yourself? Good, mate. Good to uh, good to chat to you. It's been a bloody long time. It has. What's been happening anyway? Oh, I've just been on a wee bit of a break um, for oh, the last month, really, which has been very nice. Nice. Post, post-world champs? Yeah. Yeah, post-world champs. Then uh, we post-elite uh, retrial as well. Okay. Give us a bit of a rundown on your on your on your past your rowing journey to this point what does it look like i was just checking back through emails right then and my last email communication with you was 2012 jeepers 2012 when you know we started well probably before that when we started doing a bit of work together but yeah it's yeah. been a, it's been a big one so tell us about it um so i think i started rowing way back in 2009 you know it must have been about 12 only was because the the head boy was was a rower at school, and actually, oh, mum and dad both said they rowed back at university. And at at the time, I thought, or oh, they said they were pretty good. They went to Easter Tourney, I think they called it. And at, at the time, I thought that was you know oh, was it the New Zealand Championships. Um, and as I realised, it's it's a bit more of a uni students' weekend, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so I went down to the local club, and for the first year, it was it was pretty pretty cruisy, pretty laid back, which was I think quite good because it helped me form a bit more of a love for the sport. I think. Pretty much through my whole time at school, I was the only guy rowing, but I had a there's a couple of girls who were a few years ahead, and they were they were really really fast and went on to be world champions and pretty exceptional. And so they always kept me on my toes and had uh, another club mate there. The sort of the, the four of us, me and Bryce and the two two girls were really, really good mates. And that helped a lot in those first four or five years. Nice. And so and so then how does how do you step it up I guess from that sort of club 
uh, environment. How do you step up then to the to the elite environment? Um, well, like like everything, I think it's a it's a gradual step up, and but I think the turning point for me was probably in 2013 when I think there was a, a race on at Twizel and the weather was absolutely awful and I was entered in I think it must have been the open single for the first time and because the weather was horrible and then from the Otago Harbour we were quite used to it and so I was, I was leading these guys who were in the New Zealand team and I was leading them to about the oh, about 500 to go and then it flattened out and they were able to pass me, but you know, I came off the water, and I thought, oh, hell, I was able to, you know, I was, I was right up there with them. That was that was pretty cool. And I said to my, my parents, um, look, I want to go for the junior team this year. Um, and I said, oh, what do you think? And at the time, we, you know, finances were a little bit sketchy, and they, they, uh, dad set me a challenge. He said, oh, what do you think you'd need to do? to make the team and I said oh probably have to win the win the under 17s and medal in the under 18s and he said right if you can do that we'll back you having the support of mum and dad has has always been something that has just taken that stress away from uh my training yeah like like most things you sort of gradually climb the ladder so I started off did juniors and had my first taste at world champs and then moved up to the under twenty ones, and then finally into the under under twenty three team. Nice. And so, what was it, about a month ago now that you guys uh, won the world champs for the under twenty threes, and I believe was the first ever New Zealand quad to to medal at a world champs, which is pretty phenomenal, eh? Talk us talk us through that day. Oh, the day. There's certainly the, the four or five days of that regatta and leading up to that race, oh, it's been the most stressful of my life in terms of internal stress. And that day, I don't think any of us got any sleep. Um, I was staying in the room with one of my my closest mate who was sitting in the boat with me, and I could hear him tossing and turning all night. We didn't get, didn't get much sleep, but. Um, it's quite funny. We get down to the lake and he's going, how's everyone doing? We go, oh, fantastic. Yep, no, feeling good, feeling good, feeling great. But uh, in the rows, I could sort of feel that we were, we knew we'd gone quite hard in the semi final because we wanted to put a good performance out and, you know, show dominance. But I knew, I knew that we were all feeling a little bit tired. And so we all went for our, our pre row, which is just a little lap. Uh, around the course and almost like a warm-up about three or four hours before the race and I could sort of just feel everyone was a little bit down you know it was going to be a going to be a really tough day and then what we do is we sit in the basically sit in the tent uh, I'll keep off our legs for about two or three hours and that was incredibly nervous and I you know, and I try to go through my processes to keep me keep me calm and I've a few things I've picked up on is the breathing and well one of the things I do just any time is, you know, the old jiggling your leg a lot, which I've sort of started to 
associate with being nervous, so I know that if I just you know relax that, it just helps keep me focused. And then trying to focus on something to keep my mind off it. So just yarning with the guys, trying to talk about anything other than rowing, really. Yeah, make sure that I'm not getting myself into the the zone, the race zone, too early, because otherwise I'll yeah overthink it. And there's there's no point of being in, in that zone for too long. You want to be getting there sort of just as you're getting into the start blocks, really. And that's probably something for a lot of people is that uh, it's it's such a big event for them, whatever event they may be training for, and it's they're consumed by it for so long leading into the event. By the time it, it actually goes, they're exhausted because of that you know, mental energy expended. So you try and stay away from that zone as long as you can, eh? Yeah, exactly, because... You know, when I get in there, I don't want to have to do it by thinking about it. I just want to be able to relax and let the, the autopilot take over. Back when I was at school, I used to visualize a lot. And sometimes I'd visualize the race how I wanted it days out from the race, which, I mean, it had its uses back then. Um, but, it, yeah, it could almost overhype me a little bit and make me quite nervous. Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of nerves is, is fantastic. That's what you want. And uh, I always say, right, that's nervous, that's cool. That means I care about it. That's what I want. Be stupid not to be nervous. Mm-hmm. And actually, other world champs and me, and me and the other guy have just played a silly little game, something about breaking bricks on the phone. I must have played that for two hours nonstop, just, <laughs> just trying to keep focused on it. Nice. For the final, so we get on the water for our our final for our race, and as we're going through the warm up, you can tell everyone's quite quite stressed, quite nervous. And we get to about four, fifteen minutes before, and um, basically we've been we've been using bicarb, mm-hmm. so the, the sodium bicarbonate in your stomach, and I'm not sure exactly what quantities, but we take about thirty soda bic tablets. Yep. How do, you, before. how do you find that sits in the stomach? Horribly, horribly <laughs> normal. And because I I did a podcast uh, oh, a few episodes back uh, about supplementation and things that work, which is proven by science, and sodium bicarbonate is one of the ones that's you know really well proven, and that's obviously why you know national teams are using it. And everyone always says, oh, that's way too much to take. You know, how can people take it? Well, this is firsthand, I guess, from you. How does it feel? What do you, you know? How do you tolerate it? Is it, a, is it a case of just sucking it up and getting it down you? Yeah, sucking it up and being quite well prepared. So uh, you want to make sure that now uh, you've you've been to the bathroom at, at least once that morning. I guess you want to make sure that the everything's clear. The pipes which, are clean, so to speak. Yeah, and. It, it can almost make you feel a little bit lethargic sometimes. So I, I tend to take quite a bit of caffeine if I'm using it. But when you're in racing, it yeah definitely takes a bit of getting used to, especially for our distance because you can it's it's quite hard to judge how hard you are actually going. And talking to some of the elites, they when I first started using it last year, they said you can have your normal rhythm. And then your bicarb rhythm, which you can almost, you know, set a little bit a point or two higher 
and just push yourself a little bit more. And I mean, when I first started using it, there'd be you know, no pain tool, like that made the last couple hundred meters, and it, it's just really weird, which I think was probably a little bit of an experience and just not being able to push myself as well as I needed to because I couldn't have that pain to judge how I was going. Yeah, yeah, so there's that removal of that pain stimulus to judge your pace and that sort of thing because yeah, exactly. you're taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so this year, yeah, it was, it was definitely not the um, pain-free bicarb racing that I was used to <laughs> last year, I think. Um, but, I mean, this year we certainly went a lot harder, matured a lot. In the, in the warm-up, the bloke just behind me, so it was about 14 or 15 minutes before race time, he says, Jack, have we got have we got a bit of time? I need to get out. I need to, I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> and I was going, what? What? No, what? no you sure, mate? You, look, we, we can't. We can't. No, mate. No, it's... Just hold just it. Do just it, hold it. <laughs> and he goes, okay, okay, I'm, I think I can. I think I can. And we sort of row up close to the start blocks, and he goes, out, out, pull over. Pull over to the side. We've, we've got to get out. And so we all pull over, and we're going, don't panic, don't panic, guys, don't panic. It's okay, it's okay. And we have the or the high-performance manager for Rowan New Zealand who was about to watch the race, bikes over, and he's pulling everyone and he's going, it's okay, it's okay, you've got time, don't worry, don't worry, everybody. And everyone's going, don't worry, don't worry. And I was feeling oh, so wound up, so nervous. But watching watching my mate run over into the bushes and strip down <laughs> and sort of squat over like a greyhound just sort of made me laugh, made me smile a wee bit. And he, he got back in the boat and I could just sense the relief. And I, was, I relaxed myself and I thought, right, this is better. This, we're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and even we rode the race. He says he got to halfway, and he got to the point where he thought, right, if it it might happen again, it's I'm just going to have to let it go, and I'll jump in the water after we, after we finish <laughs> and clean off the boat that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As it was, we finished the race, and as soon as we finished, he goes, keep tapping, keep tapping it over, keep rowing. I've I've got to get out. I've got to get out. And as soon as we put the boat onto the land, he just staggers off to the toilet he was off again <laughs> yeah so yeah if you he was one of the younger boys and it can cause different effects to you i mean yeah and it's, it's i guess it's a bit different when you're when you're an individual planning your timing and dosage and everything and only your sort of internal rhythms to have to manage versus having four of you all on the same thing and, uh, and yeah. to manage everybody yeah, that's true. So how how long did it take you to get down the course that day? Uh, that day was a 5.41, I believe. Yep. So, I mean, rowing's one of those sports where it's like extremely aerobic and extremely mm. anaerobic at the same time, isn't it? The demands yep. on both energy systems are absolutely huge. And sports like that hurt an unbelievably large amount. So how do you manage that pain or how are you able to push that hard and and break through that pain barrier so to speak i think it's definitely one of those things that's come over time and 
Now I'd uh, be able to do it a lot more consistently. You know, every every piece, be able to push myself uh, to where I need to be, and I'm no longer scared of it. Whereas certainly in the younger days, you'd, uh, a lot of the fear or the nerves from racing came from you know fear of the pain, and you know this is going to hurt, and if it doesn't hurt, well I'm not pushing myself hard enough, and you know I'm not going to get the result I want. And so Rowan New Zealand, I think one of its huge strengths is that we, we train really, really hard. And there's, we, we train ourselves to try and, try and push harder in training than we have to in racing. And so every day we're going out there and we have a, you know, a thing called prognostics, which you get set off relative to the world record time. And that can be, you know, quite a challenge if you're on Rowan New Zealand where a lot of the people have set the world records themselves. And so your aim is to try and finish a piece in front of these people who've been set off on, on, the, on the world best gaps. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these are your, your mates, the people you live with and, you know, you might, might get left on the water, but when you get home... Everyone's, you just have that feeling of, yeah, I beat you today. And so everyone's, everyone's absolutely fighting to, to, for bragging rights, really. And that helps build the culture. How, how is it living with that, uh, that sort of pressure each day of having to each day kind of, I guess, prove yourself or, or to better and back up? How, does, how do you manage that? For me, it's, it's been treating each day is its own we we challenge and breaking it down into pieces so if i've got a a 4k piece i might say right there's 500 and that was one thing that we did a lot this year and and our quad was say right we're we're racing to the next 500 we don't care about what's happening afterwards we're going to get to the next 500 markers as fast as we can and we'll worry about what happens later because we know that we're not going to die. We've we've got the fitness for that, and we were just trying to realise that you can push yourself a hell of a lot harder than your mind thinks you can. Mm. And I think that's a that's a big a big thing that a lot of people struggle with was that is always having that that conserve you know conserving energy for just in case just in case. But you've mm. really got to lay it all out there, don't you? Oh, for sure, and um, it's it's definitely something that that you you've got to train for, and I mean because I do you know I row every day, I can push myself with rowing a lot easier than I could if it's a different skill set. So it's yeah, almost when I can go on that autopilot and just let let the race mind take over. What does um, if just as much as you like, just give us a wee insight into what your sort of day to day training looks like. Oh, typically up at yeah you know, up, up here in Waikato at Rowan, New Zealand, we can wake up at more gentlemanly hours than I have in the past. So it's normally wake up between six and six thirty in the morning. Uh, get up, you know, have have some wheat bix and milk for breakfast, or maybe some toast, and then we're down between sort of 
7 o'clock at the sheds. Um, I like to have quite a long warm-up. I do a bit of stretching, uh, jump on the on the foam rollers, really good, and on the rowing machines. And, you know, Evan's a little bit individual, so I know what I need to do in the morning um, to loosen myself up, especially around the shoulders and some trigger points in my back. And then on the water, 7 to 7.30, and most... Most mornings it'll be between 20 and 30 kilometres, so about an hour and a half to two and a half hours. And uh, sort of Monday, Wednesday, Saturday is quite quite high intensity speed work, and every other morning can uh, can vary between speed work and a, a long long hard row. So I like to you know get off the water and we'll get that recovery in as soon as we can. You know, in, in before we've washed the boat and put it away. So you're smashing, you're smashing like a recovery shake. You know, as soon as you get out of the boat, as you're washing it down, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, protein, and we, you know, we get the anchor truck, who anchor or, or Fonterra supplies us with the primos and the fast starts, and so we can walk over the fridge and get a bunch of those for the crew. And then just chuck in some lollies, creamed rice, bananas, and we'll we'll do that uh, the turnaround in the rows as well, which I've I've found has been a, quite a crucial thing for keeping the energy up throughout the entire day. Uh, is taking as much food on board as you can, and that's really targeted at obviously obviously that recovery, you know, with the the primos and the fast starts that are uh, carbohydrate and protein. Yeah. And those, and then you're looking at smashing carbohydrate to keep your, you know, you're fueled up during the session as well, eh? Yeah, exactly. And I've yeah, tried to get into a habit of uh, getting in the recovery food before the workout's even finished, um, just to really nail that timing of it uh, after after the workout's finished. And so I went through a period of. It's been sort of February, March this year, where I was really struggling to hold weight, and you know I was I was uh, struggling in training, and I sort of finished one week and thought, right, let's have a look at what I'm doing. I sat down, and the big thing I changed was probably the timing of every, everything, and so I just started, you know, chucking in protein and. Uh, chucking in lollies and putting some lots of raro in the in the water bottle, and I managed to you know pop right back up, put on about six or seven kilos, and uh, had a you know huge improvement in my in my workload, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. nice. I mean, once you got the fuel on board, eh, you can put the work out. If you don't have the fuel on, you sort of bugging, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And well, the nutritionist put it. Uh, pretty well this year to us is that you know some people they do under fuel themselves and they are still able to perform and yes yeah you might still be able to get the performance but it's it's the other other parts of your life that'll uh that'll it'll get a bit buggered so you know you maybe it might be your muscles uh your growth your bones might start to deteriorate and your overall health and so it's you know it's a long-term of your body that you want to think about. Yeah, big time. Keeping that energy up to, to meet the output. Yeah, exactly. Nice, mate. So that's morning training. How does do you, what do you do from there on? 
so depending on the day, we might have a, a second session shortly after, about an hour after, a little bit of sitting around and recovering, and then the short, uh, so the second session will be a little bit shorter and can be more technical based. Or it might be a, a weight session, which you do for about 90 minutes up in the up in the gym. And I, so I study up here at Waikato, I study engineering, and so I try and uh, squeeze that in in between rows and workouts, which uh, is normally quite good uh, down at Row New Zealand because I've got computers and I can stream all my lectures, and so it makes it quite easy. But it's you know it's getting into labs, which can be a bit of a pain, and and working around the the uh, training program for that, and. So we'll have a second session, you know, maybe midday, and then we might be back down for another row at 2.30, 3 o'clock, just to finish this off. And after that, we'll go home and make some dinner, chill out for a wee bit, and hop off to bed about 9 o'clock. Right, sounds like a pretty full-on day. What sort of, yeah. how, many, how many hours of sleep are you aiming to clock up there? Oh, at least at least eight is what we aim for. Um if I get to bed at nine, and I would I wake up at six, I think it's about nine hours. Um, and and just on on nutrition there again, you touched on it uh, briefly. What does your, your sort of lunch and dinner look like? Out of interest, um, I tr- you know as much as I can try and fit in, um, I tend to struggle to to eat. Um, I don't, I don't know why, but sometimes I can be sitting at the dinner table for an hour, an hour and a half, just really, really slow. But I know that I've got to get that fuel in, and I just have to sit there and treat it as fuel. But you know, in, in the in the cupboards, I tend to try and keep a fair bit of variety, so I don't get bored, don't get flavour fatigue. Uh, I love, you know, pasta and sauce, and because I got. You know, I've got a fair bit on. It's nice to have that convenience of a good pasta sauce and some some ready-made pasta, maybe a bit of tuna. And you know, you got a pretty pretty easy, fantastic lunch or snack in there. And but dinner oh, can be just you know, meat and three veg is is pretty stock standard. And that's all it needs to be: just lots of carbs, plenty of protein, and a good bit of greens to. Keep, keep up the health as well. Nice one, mate. So, I mean, your whole approach to nutrition is quite, you know, real food-based. You're not sort of yeah, doing exactly. too many mini supplementations or anything like that. It's just eating real food. No, yeah, just just a good variety of greens and fruit and veggies. So where to from here? What are the what are the big goals in mind from, from here on in? Oh, next year... I want to be in the elite men's quad, uh, so I want to leave the age group behind. And I want to start building this elite men's quad for the Tokyo Olympics with uh, a view to winning winning gold there. Awesome, mate. And obviously a bit of work to put in into that now, from now? Yeah, t- tons of work. So the, the men's elite quad, for as a New Zealand quad, has never made the A-final at elite world champs yet. So in three years... To go from there to an Olympic gold is a, is a huge task, but I was sitting down at a, a goal-setting ses- session the last week, and sort of the guy looks at me and says, "Oh yeah, yeah, 
I said, well, you're to go? And I said, well, you got to, you know, you got to set the goals high because even if you, you don't quite get there, you'd, you'll uh, be easier to achieve something great rather than if you just set your goal as, as something reasonably achievable. And, yeah, if you'd only set it there, you might not even get there. Yep, yeah, so you sort of shoot for the stars and you'll land on the moon sort of theory. Yeah, and you, you looking at uh, our world champs, you've, you've definitely got to be able to win on a bad day. And so we, yeah, that was a, a horrible day for us and we were still able to come away with the win because that's what we'd trained for. And all the all the practice little regattas we'd had as part of Rowan New Zealand, our coach just made sure we pushed right through with training, didn't taper off so that we were racing tired. And we basically never rode fresh or never knew what it felt like to row with a fresh body until we got to world champs. What um and you said it's it was a bad day for you guys. What about it was bad? I think uh, everyone knew that, or in, in the crew, we knew we were feeling pretty tired. And I think it was the the semi final because New Zealand is not typically a fast starting uh, rowing nation. Uh, our goal was to go out there and really put the kibosh on everyone and and go out there and, and win win from the start and we did in the semi-final we went out there and all guns blazing uh, but the, the other nations tapered off a little bit more than we did and it was a headwind so it, it took a little bit out of us right and so as we're riding around the next morning I was thinking oh this is a little bit heavier than it usually is but, you know, we'll see how we go. Probably just the adrenaline. We'll be all right. But as we, we started the A final and, yeah, yesterday or the day before, we were able to come out and be right out there, but everyone just dropped us. And so we, so we looked and go, oh, dear. Oh, dear, this might be quite an interesting one. So it was it was mainly just that, that fatigue of the, the accumulative um, racing leading up to that point that was that was tough on the day, eh? Yeah, that it may be, you know, lack of sleep yep. leading up to it. I mean, if you have one night's bad sleep just before the event, normally you're, you're sweet as, you're fine if you've had the, had a good week of sleep, but it was an accumulative lack of sleep that probably, you probably got us. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, mate. That's really interesting, eh? Oh, mate, well, thank you so much for your time and, you know, huge congratulations on, you know, oh, being, a world, you being a world champion. Um, must be such an amazing feeling. Oh, it's not too bad. It's nice to finally get there and hopefully not the first. Yeah, the start of uh, of many great things, eh? Exactly. Good, man. Well, I look forward to talking to you in the future um, and hopefully, yeah, we'll see, see, uh, see where the, the journey takes you. Hey, thank you very much. It's great to great to hear from you again, man. And- well, there you have it, team. I hope you found that interview with Jack O'Leary interesting, insightful, and helpful with you moving towards your goals. The last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the mental edge that motivation, that ability to focus and push yourself. And it is such a huge part of sport 
on all levels, especially at the elite level. And elite athletes always come back to that mental training that they do, that, that, that motivation and how important it is to them. Their physiological training is getting so advanced and, and so minute that everyone up on the podium has got similar physiology. They've probably all done similar training. And often the thing that separates them is that mental edge. So keep working on your mental edge. And remember that question I asked back at the start of the podcast. What's your favorite way to maintain your motivation, whether it be a video, uh, a song, a quote, a book? Post a comment below. Let me know what it is. And if you've got a question that you want me to answer on the podcast, please head over to the Exponential Performance Coaching website under the podcast tab and leave me a voice message and I will do my best to answer it for you. If you want more specific, personalized uh, responses to your questions or to your training inquiries, head over to my Reach me account at reach.me slash Matty Graham and you can ask me questions that I will specifically get back to you privately with the information that you're after for a very small fee. Until next week, get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart. <laughs>